Hi guys and welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Indira and today I'm joined by Hayley Hemmings. She's the National Endurance Manager on track for England Athletics, a runner, coach and sports enthusiast and in this episode we discuss all things around coaching, coaching women and a wider discussion around what creates a high performing and successful athlete who's able to reach their potential. Before we get into it, Please be sure to leave a rating and review if you've been enjoying the podcast. It really, really helps the podcast out and helps me to keep getting great guests on for you guys. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Hayley, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I know it's been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it, this one's been a long time coming, guys. But no, it's really, really great to have you here with us today. And so first things first, can you introduce yourself as an athlete and coach? Yeah, so my name is Hayley Hemmings. I'm um, still competing-ish, um, but a uh, coach down at Chelmsford Athletics Club. And I have a mixed um, ability group, a mixed gender group down there ranging from 800 metres all the way up to marathons. And um, we've got age ranges from about 15 all the way up to about mid-30s, late-30s. Wow, that's that's quite a spread. <laughs> yeah, it's that's... good. It's, I really like the, uh, the versatility of it and just getting to know each and every one and what their goals are. And, yeah, it's a really good, wholesome group. Um, a lot of them been there for a long time, since about 11, 12. So... Uh, some of them off to uni in two weeks time as well so that's going to be a sad day but uh, it's going to be good for them and then see the rest coming through. Yeah no that's really lovely okay and what is your biggest lesson learned from sport? I think for me it's anything's possible I think sport changes lives and it's not just the performance outcome for sport but also that um, holistic approach so I've met most of my best friends through sport um and I think I've learned my biggest lessons through sport that's helped me in my own work and professional life but also with different scenarios that came come up throughout the years so I think yeah sport can be seen as a performance outcome with winning stuff and performances but also it's that other stuff that kind of off track as you call it and um, conducting you into being better people yeah no definitely yeah, some really key stuff there. Okay, and what's your next biggest goal or thing that you're hoping to achieve? Oh, my next <laughs> biggest goal. Um, I think transitioning through from uh, my current role into my new role. Uh, so currently I've been in education for 14 years, um, head of junior sport, and I'm now going to be the National Endurance Manager for England Athletics on track working with a great team there so I think having a successful transition period through to that would be good and and kind of um yeah get my feet stuck in and see what I can do yeah no well it'll be exciting to see what things come from that for sure and what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to athletes be kind in yourselves um I think we're really critical on ourselves and not only athletes, I think coaches too. And I think having that time to reflect and having some time away to slow down, see what you've done right, congratulate yourselves and just have that perspective on things. So taking time out would be my biggest number one advice for athlete and coach. Yeah, definitely. I think people often underest the, underest, underestimate the power of breaks for sure. 
Okay. And, you know, last, last kind of, I don't know, quick intro question. What topics do you feel most strongly about within athletics at the moment? For me, it's that progression through the age groups. I'm really, really passionate about that. I think um, with the world's, the Euro under 20s going on as well, and lots coming up next year, I think it's nice to see those athletes developing through. I think as coaches and as people in the sport, we build rapport with those athletes. For me, my heart's a tiny bit broken when athletes don't go through to the next age group. Um, either they've fallen out of the love of the sport or injury has um, hindered them doing so. So I'm really passionate about that, but also about kind of building a bigger and better community that support each other, no matter what level you're on, yeah. be it um, athlete or support staff, and just making it a, just a fun environment to be part of and actually a safe environment too. Yeah, definitely. Some really valid and key stuff there as well. So you know, let's start off with kind of your angle and your role as as a coach and I guess previously or up until this point as well in education. What, you know, what did that journey look like for you? What's that role kind of been like? So I've always enjoyed sport in school. I was sports captain. I was, I wasn't always very good at running, but I always gave it my best. And uh, persistence for me is key. I um, we have something called the English Schools Competition, which is quite a prestigious event for those young athletes to be part of. And my school was part of the Schools Cup. And um, every year I was reserved till the final year. And um, to me, that was really good because it showed you just kept going and you would make that team one day. So on those three other years of going, I was reserved. So I was a kit person. <clears throat> I helped with the warm up. I did everything but race and I saw the um, triumphs or the tears at the end, should we say. And I think um, every year I put myself back on the line to try and make that team and finally did so. And then through coming off the back of that year, I went into uh, uni and into work and then just my running and my love of my running built. So I then joined a local running club and then from there I just competed and actually my kind of success came a bit later my success isn't as as high as anyone else's but it's I think success is personally as you see it and for me representing my county and the region is as far as I went um and I still represent my club and I really enjoy it um I've just gone into the vets uh, which feels like I should have been there forever because I've been around. So recently joined the Vets team and that's been really good, a really fun experience, different experience, just to keep me committed and doing what I love doing. And then coaching for me came around, I got glandular fever and um, I still want to be part of the sport. So I did my officials course and then I did my coaching course at the same time so I could still be on the side of the track and to assist And then from there, my coaching and the love of it just grew and grew and grew, working with fantastic people in sport, people who relentlessly give up their time for free and have passion. And and for me as an educator, I've always been about learning and um, and continuing to be better in what you do. And I think working with people around you and seeing how they do things has always challenged me to be better in my own coaching. So that's how I've was an athlete and still-ish am and then also a coach. Oh no, wow, that's yeah, that's really wonderful and it's great to see I guess the love of the sport translate into a number of different areas and, and ways of being involved and I think something that would be interesting to talk about is you've had the experience as being an athlete but also as a coach. 
in terms of maybe mindset or things you've picked up on, have there been any reflections you've had, you know, looking at the sport of running from a coaching perspective versus maybe where your mindset was at when you were the participating athlete? Or I mean, you still are, but, you know, primarily just an athlete. Yeah, it's very different, the skill set involved. Um, and I think it's very nice to step back sometimes and to see the eyes for a coach. I think as an athlete, sometimes the performances are blurred and the all you want is that time or that distance or the goal. And, and actually, you can't see why or when or how. And I think actually sometimes a coach has a bit of a bigger overview sometimes because they don't discuss that with the athlete because they either don't want to scare them or they don't want them to get too carried away what may be ahead but I think as a coach you kind of can see the uh, wider picture of things but you can also miss things as well I mean innately an athlete can feel what they feel I can't tell you what my athletes feel I've got quite good high emotional intelligence but that's just from being around um, young athletes and working with young people for years and years and years and getting to know the signs but I think being an athlete you really know how it feels no one can tell you how you know you can only guess but and I think from that coach's side of you you probably can empathize if you've been there before like for example I've gone out and tried to run today and I've got to two miles in and I was like it's not happening but instead of beating myself up about it it's like well there might be a reason why or it's okay and what would you say to your athlete so I think it's easy said than done sometimes to be kinder in yourself for what you want to achieve yeah that's so true it definitely takes a certain level of experience and maturity as an athlete to you know decide actually the session is over or that that run is taking a pause okay and so if we move on to discuss you know your new role you mentioned moving on to being the national endurance manager for track for England athletics what sort of things will that involve and you know are there any specific changes that you're hoping to make I think for me, it's about uh, building on from what's already there and making it the best possible programme we can. So for me, I'll be working with Tom Craggs, who is off track and working very uh, closely in that endurance world, uh, working with all the other talent leads and stakeholders. So at the moment, I'm reaching out to our universities, our um, coaches and athletes across the country, um, making sure that we've got a delivery plan in place to assist which will see workshops on numerous uh, topics to be discussed uh, to heighten the, the education of coach and athlete and stakeholders, competition providers. And they're working through our talent pathway, so supporting the athletes on those as well. And just kind of just being reactive to what comes in. I think asking the athletes what they want the world of endurance to look like in England, to see if we can assist with that, but also to look ahead of what the next competition's and opportunities there are and how we can make it better for those athletes to really enjoy what they're doing and and making sure the environments are as great as they can be for those athletes and there's challenges in there but that's what makes it fun I think there's challenge in everything and then for me it's just looking at the topics that are either on trend or taboo to talk about and actually making sure we do have those conversations and they become the norm to talk about things and it's okay for uh, coaches athletes and myself to make mistakes because I'm definitely going to make some um but it's how we kind of communicate that through and work together on it yeah absolutely you know that sounds really positive and you mentioned there you know trends some challenges you know topics that might be taboo have you got any of these that come to mind that you'd be able to kind of share or elaborate on I think pushing the um 
the idea about training loads uh, mm-hmm. for young athletes and also about menstrual cycles and actually being able to talk about female health, but not only female health, health as an athlete as a whole, both physically and mentally, I think really understanding. I mean, I'm 35 and I still don't understand my body and how it works monthly. So I think it's OK not to understand, but it's about reaching out and having those discussions and seeing what is common across the country and where people need support with and see how we can help them in discussing it more. And and there's brilliant people out there who's already doing it. I mean, unis and any athlete going through to the universities are blessed with people who are really passionate about these subjects and topics. And across the country too, it's just having that time as a coach to not be on the side of the track and clocking laps, but actually discussing these things as well. And the balance of that is quite hard sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think it sounds like, especially coaching in particular, you know, with more knowledge and science coming to the forefront, that the role's definitely evolving a lot more from maybe the traditional or typical, you know, person by the side of the track with a stopwatch to almost more of a mentor, life coach. And, you know, everything's kind of becoming wrapped up in one. Would you say that that that's that's the case? Oh, definitely. I think looking at my athletes and who I coach, uh, it's secondary what they do around the track or off the road or on the country. It's all the other little bits. But I think it's also being honest as a coach of what you're good at. And that's why having that support staff around you is really important because there'll be areas that you haven't got that expertise on or and you may not be comfortable doing, but someone you may know might be better about having those conversations. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about being supported and feeling supported. So inspiring others, challenging others, but supporting others in everything they do. And I think we all need that no matter where we are on that pathway. Yeah, definitely. Support really is key, especially when, you know, there's so many factors that come into play when it comes to, you know, being an athlete or, you know, coaching. And so I guess something else on along the coaching lines is how much would you say the individual personality of the coach and the athlete kind of impacts the overall performance of the athlete? I would say it's very high only because I think if you click you click yeah. <laughs> you can you always work in relationships and you, you can be with an athlete for years and years and years but actually it has to work for both not just athlete but coach as well and and we all know we live in this world that personalities do clash and that's okay that people don't get on but it's when you keep pushing and pushing and actually saying is this right for both me as coach and that as athlete and I think it's having those honest conversations and actually I always say about telling people things that may irritate you or so for example into this role and and you might receive an email that gets your name wrong time after time after time and if I never tell you actually my name's actually spelled like this or pronounced like this that's not fair but if I do tell you and you keep pronouncing my name a bit differently that's when I think so I think athletes need to be a bit more honest with coaches to say do you know what I really don't like it when you do x y and said is it possible you could do this instead but that's maturity and that's that's takes a lot of brave um from an athlete to do so and be open and honest but I think those conversations come naturally when you do have that good rapport um but also for coaches to kind of soundbite with other people go well, my athlete's done this. Is that normal that they're talking to me in this way or they're reacting like that? Or is it something I've done? And actually, I think we need to be a bit more um, less critical and a bit more um, willing to share what happens and not be embarrassed by it. Because I think straight away we take it as criticism, but it could just be the norm. And that's what that athlete does or et cetera. So. 
Yeah, that's very true. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of things that a coach needs to be doing. And I guess often a lot of a lot of the blame, but also a lot of the credit is given to the coach directly in a lot of instances. What advice would you give then to say an athlete who's looking to have that conversation with their coach and also a coach that's looking to have that conversation with their athlete? hope the conversation is already happening especially around this sort of period coming off the track into the winter it's a really good time to review and actually sit down and look what went well what they may have changed or what they're looking forward to the future and actually being honest to say is there anything else you'd like me to change anything you'd like me doing as a coach I've asked started this year to ask my athletes what do you how do you like me to communicate with you what what keywords do you like when I say in races or in or in sessions that really lift you and I've made a note to say because all athletes have different vocabs and certain words mean certain things to different athletes depending about past experiences so I know if you say I don't know um like it's always that common thing at end of race when someone's going go faster go faster and I always think that's really funny because they're going as fast as they can (laughs) so instead it's like what else can you say to them is do you look smooth you look great this is spot on or something like that so I think it's just changing our vocab to be a bit more positive and then with coaches it's having an honest review to one where they are at the moment and actually if they can have those conversations but if not it's like seeking out some support from people who either mentor in them or they have good relationships with other coaches and say how would you um tackle this because at the end of the day if you either are not happy or or there's something being hostile then that's going to affect both performances and I do say a coach performs because they do they have to be 24-7 nowadays um some sometimes they don't switch off they're trying to travel around the country to see all their athletes or give them support and it's easily that you can forget to wish them good luck or anything. So I think setting boundaries as well for coaches is really key. Making sure that athletes know that they can't be contactable 24-7 because it's like an athlete, their energy levels are going to fade too and they need their rest and recovery and and, uh, everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think boundaries is something that is really, really key because I guess with, you know, technology, WhatsApp, the increase in kind of, knowing things instantly I mean I remember when I started running you'd have to wait a few days for your race results now you know you cross that line and it's available you know breakdown by speed and everything what are your views around maybe some of the things that coaches can specifically do to kind of implement those boundaries make sure that they are taking time for them you know winding down from the job maybe not feeling guilty if they're not available 24 7 think just having those conversations is and it comes all down to communication and saying to athletes setting boundaries from the start or even giving them prior warning about things coming up and and making it the norm for that athlete to know that that coach isn't contacted after six at night or nine in the morning etc or that they are going away and if they're on holiday they're out bounds because they need their recovery too I think for me social media is is really effective um, for coach and athletes I think like you said it's 24 7 and I love when I hear an athlete say they've deleted Instagram for the week just to get away from it all and and it is really hard and we've got polls going through left right and center who's going to be the favorite in this race and that race and I think the world's have shown us that 
actually it doesn't matter what's on paper a race isn't won by what's on paper I think it's actually really key that people look at those results and say well we all had favorites but why do we write off anyone why don't we just see what happens and especially now with championship races not having fastest losers in some of the endurance events it's come down to tactical racing comes down to racing hard and getting to that line and being as competitive as you can do so I think we need to kind of start moving away from who do you think is going to win or not win or who's favorite who's not favorite and and it's hard because PR companies do it because it's really good promotion for them and they get people involved in it and people like to discuss it all but I think we need to think about what impact that may have on the athletes reading those comments or reading those polls and and actually some of them are standing on that start line feeling defeated before they've even given it a go and that's something us coaches have to really work on. Yeah, definitely. I guess the whole social media side, you know, is something that's becoming increasingly important or increasingly dominant within the sport. From a coaching perspective, do you think that some coaches or yourself included, do you feel the pressure to kind of create a presence on social media or help manage your athletes presence on social media? I've always been on social media. I prefer Twitter more than anything, really. Um, just because it's uh, fast news and you can read people's comments. But I've always advocated what I believe in. So I would never advocate something I don't have passion towards or value towards um, and stick to my morals with that. With my athletes, I don't think I pressurise them to be on social media. I think they're more aware what they put on social media. Had some really interesting um, conversations with my athletes this year about is this okay? Can you proofread it? Because they don't want to be using language that may offend potential selectors, although that isn't how selection works, or um, future universities or future brands, etc. and actually making sure they're being positive. So I think that whole life skill is really important for athletes to understand. And, and I've had athletes actually put stuff on social media and regret what they've done and obviously once it's out there it's really hard to retract so I think it's that managing emotions and controlling those first but I advise all my athletes to kind of keep a notebook and write down what happens and then have it written down so they don't actually have to put it on social media if they don't want to um I think sometimes those posts on social media really help others I follow quite a few athletes that their stories and their kind of highs and lows really help people in the sport realize that actually it's not always up high 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 and it can't be because that's not how we keep our performance levels so that's been really good but yeah I think it is hard we we encourage our athletes to turn off their phones um quite earlier during race week and try and get as much sleep as they can and no screen time and try and restrict that but as you know with everyone it's really hard even with ourselves so (laughs) Yeah, definitely. There's uh, always something going on and there's always something important, messages coming in all times of the day. And I guess to go back a little bit here, you know, you mentioned earlier how it's important for coaches to make sure that they've got support around them, maybe talk more amongst the coaching community. Do you think that there's any scope for maybe like a coach's network or does something like that already exist? Or what are your thoughts around, you know, that side of things? So there are quite a few, um, probably self-made by people who've just set them up. I'm involved in quite a few. I've got a females-only coaching network, which is really nice, um, which is good endurance female coaches. And then I've got a set of uh, coaches that we um, send journals to, etc. And then I've just got coaches who we're just contact 
during the week or when we need them and you feel supported by. I think every event group do, does it quite differently. I think the only thing with structuring it is you want people to be part of it because they want to be part of it, not because they've been told to be part of it. And I think actually this kind of um, candid way of doing it and this um, artificial way of doing it sometimes will blur the kind of meaning behind it. Are you in it for the right reason? And those people already set up those groups and support people, I think will do more and more. And they just do it naturally without being forced to. So it is really important. I think it will grow. And I think people are more willing to discuss things and discuss situations with their athletes and that and you don't even have to name athletes you're just saying well this happened what do you think and it's it's good to talk I think it's good to ask the question and just double check sometimes and I think I'm the worst of it going I think this is right but I'm just checking <laughs> yeah no I mean it's always nice to have the re- reassurance from people um and I mean you mentioned that there, there being a female or a female coaches only group what are your thoughts around maybe some of the reasons why there might be less female coaches or any differences you might have noticed in terms of mindset, perhaps, between female coaches versus male coaches, if any? Yeah, I think they're on the increase. I think it comes down to um, day-to-day life and commitments. I think females have some sometimes different commitments to males, especially when it comes to raising families and different career sets, etc. I think for me... I've always been around females in sport um, during different sports, but in endurance, there is an increase, but there's always going to be a gap just because of the nature of sport and the different careers that women and men choose to do. And that's just a tradition thing. And, and you can't rewrite history and you can't fast forward a thousand years to see what will do different. There's always going to be a gap, but it is definitely close is in I think the support is coming through from males I've got a great bunch of male coaches that support and every time I put out anything to do with um, female coaches day or women's international day I thank men who support women and there's loads of them I think it's really hard for a male coach at the moment because of all the bad stories that are out there and it makes it really difficult if one's letting the side down that they're kind of tarred with the rest but I think it's just females being brave enough to step in and I encourage any female who wants to um, take up coaching we've got quite a few of ex-athletes coming through as well and that's really positive to hear but just come out buddy up with coach see if you like the environment see like the atmosphere and then ask the questions and I think that support will come and I think it's just like anything sometimes we're all quite in slow in what we do and we need to just be a bit more comfortable talking to people and and being uncomfortable as well at times because as you know going into a social setting if you don't know anyone it's it takes a lot even if you are x amount of age to go and have, start up that conversation I was at a conference recently and um, no one had name badges mm-hmm. and one sustainability but the real reason for it is if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to ask them who they were and what they did. And I thought it was fantastic because everyone started talking because otherwise the 400 people would just be standing with their cup of coffee in the room just looking at it. So it was a really good experiment to see socially. And I think more of that needs to come because it doesn't matter what kudos or what status anyone has or what titles against their name. Everyone's got an opinion and perception and conversation is key for learning out new things. Yeah, no, definitely. I love the sound of that. That sounds like a, yeah, a really positive thing to have, have got to experience. 
And I guess something else along the lines, I mean, I think you definitely make some great points there and that, you know, a lot of, I guess, bad, bad names or bad words kind of goes around male coaches at the moment to some extent, you know, they, they can't help the, fa- the fact they're male. But do you think that as a female coach that you are better able to inspire or work with female athletes, you know, when dealing with things that are specific to women? Or do you think that with the right training and education that that would be something that men or male coaches would potentially be able to do just as effectively? I think just as effectively because I coach males and I would hate for anyone to say that a male could coach that male better than I could just because they're the same sex of them. So I think it's about building trust with um, athletes, building rapport, having that knowledge understanding. I think it's key to have females present at times because those conversations may be better had but sometimes they might not be depend about the female you're talking to um sometimes females don't want to talk about fem- to other females about certain situations because they feel judged mm-hmm. because females go through the same things and if you overhear conversations and you're not the same as the people you're listening to you may feel like you don't want to have that conversation or you may lie about what's happening to you so I've been in uh, conversations before where athletes have lied about having periods because everyone in the group is and they didn't want to be the odd one out so they've masked it and actually if they were in a male running group and no one was talking about it they may have come out with it and be honest so I think with the knowledge and the training and the questioning and and just those right ways of of delivering it and the use of language I think is really important I think it's understanding what athletes, what how they want to be talked about, but actually just making it norm and having it in conversation. But I think having females present allows for some female athletes to feel more secure, maybe because of past experiences. But I think males could definitely do the job too. Yeah, no, definitely some really insightful and, you know, really valid opinions and points there. So that's really great to hear. Okay, and so if we move on to maybe a little bit more about training approach in general now, to what extent do you think that, you know, different training approaches affect different athletes and, you know, the individual really can benefit? Sorry, can I start? I'm going to start again. Um, And so if we move a little more to the actual physical training side of things now, you know, there's a lot more or a lot of different kind of approaches to training that we're seeing come through now. A lot more runners are doing, say, more cross-training or, you know, taking a different approach. How much do you think, you know, the individual themselves and, you know, their physical and mental kind of makeup affects the effectiveness of different trainings? I think individual training is key. I've... um... I've always set my training for the individual, not for the group. So we have certain training sessions and the basis will be the same, but it will be tailored for each individual athlete. And even in uh, training weeks, it will look different depending what their needs are and what their body can take and and actually what their life can take. I mean, our athletes are uh, um, busy and not only with studies but also trying to be the best athlete but also if they're on any type of talent programs they've got that kind of workload too and then trying to fit in their physio appointments or their other and actually socializing I think comes bottom of athletes pole sometimes but that's really important too so I'm really key to have a look at 
people's weeks and their months and years to actually say where's the balance in there and actually and test it out to see and you've got some people absolutely will not get in water and hate swimming completely so that's a no-no for them but what could they do instead and I think it takes um time to understand what they like and enjoy but also what their body responds to you can't see straight away if actually cross training would be of a better um, impact on them I think it takes a few years to have a look at seeing what the seasons look like what you've changed what you haven't changed and then go from there um, I think cross training is really important especially to prevent injury but some some athletes may take it too extreme that actually cause injury so there's a balance there and an education around it I think understanding why athletes do what they do is really important for coaches to grasp I think those conversations need to have our athletes are getting more and more um, knowledgeable about training loads if it's from Instagram or YouTube or just the, the internet themselves and and it's really funny having conversations with athletes on the side of track asking me to do certain sessions and when I say why they go well Ingeritsen does it and I was like oh well are you the same as him are you full-time are you this are you that they're like no I'm like okay and it's just like trying to understand that you're battling that sometimes as well and uh, making sure they feel you're doing it for them I think the hardest for me is having athletes do less than anyone else and then question why but it's because it's better for them and they feel like they just have to do what everyone else is doing but at the end of the day everyone's unique <laughs> everyone's different and I think it it takes a lot more time to make it individualized but I think it will prevent those injuries going forward yeah definitely no yeah I guess injury prevention really is one of the most key things within the sport I know you mentioned there you know the different approaches different responses amongst athletes how much variation do you see in terms of you know different responses between individuals um it depends about what they're doing discipline wise as well um so obviously eights up to five 10ks etc it depends about what you're asking them to compete at and over and I think you need to understand what you're putting that body through what kind of um, systems are you using is a lot of your work in anaerobic or aerobic and making sure the balance is there for them but also understanding what what their recovery rate's like and how checking in with them the day after a tough session to say honestly what what's your body feeling like and and actually making a note of that to say well is it wise to then go back out and try and deplete our our muscles and our our training loads again, or is is a rest day suitable? Or and actually, I think especially with females, I've learned that just listening to your body and it, it it's okay to have two to three days off in a week if that's what's affecting you, or or if you're not really feeling it. And I think in the last few months, I've been really pleased to have conversations or texts come through and I've had athletes go is it right I've had rest day today I'm like 100% yes and I'm happy as a coach that an athlete's asked for a rest day because they're suddenly realizing that it's okay to feel tired but they've realized instead of pushing through and doing a long run they're going to swap their days over and actually if they feel tired the next day they're just going to miss it and uh, I think we're coming away from what's written on paper has to be always done I'm very keen of like ripping that art up and seeing what happens and it takes time and it takes um courage and it takes routine for athletes to understand that it's okay not to do what's written down on paper um and I don't have to do two reps more because that's what it says on there um but I think that's how we deliver it as coaches as well I think we need to be a bit more um 
explicit in saying actually the minimum is this and that's one area I've changed in my coaching is saying well today we're going to do a minimum of this and a max of this Mm -hmm. so actually everyone wants to be doing these reps but we'll see how everyone's feeling and giving the athlete the choice is key as well yeah no definitely and so would you say then that with females in particular that you know feeling tired is something that happens more commonly and have you noticed that there's particular times of the month where female athletes do tend to you know experience maybe random fatigue in particular yeah and the interesting thing is every female's different so and this is why I say men can assist with this type of conversations more than women because 35 years old and if I look through my training diaries and actually how I deal with my monthly cycles etc it changes all the time because actually it's not only what's happening in the body it's what's affecting it outside too Mm -hmm. and I think actually stress is a really big part that we kind of ignore as athletes and coaches and we don't understand the impact stress has on body fatigue mental prep or even just the enjoyment side of it so I think a lot of our male athletes can have the same physical symptoms that our females are having because of stress and not because of actually going through their monthly cycles etc or have been improved so I think it's really interesting and I want to do a bit more research into the impact stress has physically on athletes because a lot of the time I've noticed that a lot of our male athletes have really suffered from the onset of COVID and constantly been attacked their immune system with colds. Mm-hmm. And that's been a real big effect. So they're tired quite often um, coming out of the COVID kind of pandemic we had. But our female athletes, and I've got quite a few, they're not all the same. So it does make it challenging because I can't say, well, athlete one has these symptoms. So actually athlete two has told me she's on her period. So she must have the same symptoms. She definitely doesn't. And it may change. So that keeps you on your toes a lot. Um, but I think it's interesting and exciting. It's a bit of a puzzle. And yeah. uh, and, it, and I think it's just going with the flow and saying, well, it's OK. It's, uh, it's OK to feel like that. It doesn't matter. We're switching around. And I think in a month, the way I set my training is I kind of delete a week anyway. So if I have three good weeks of training for our athletes and one week's a bit hit and miss, then that's okay because things come up, you might get cold, um, you might be affected by your period, etc. cetera. Um, but yeah, stress, I think, has physical um, aspects and athletes that is unknown for us coaches at the moment. And the more I work with the youth, the more I see that I think there's a lot of physical um traits that are coming through that actually when you underline it and go deep in you probably say stress yes you know it's so exciting to kind of investigate those links and I think that stress really is one of those things that yeah not enough is spoken about and I think it's really key how you mentioned there it being more about the individual and you know the importance of focusing on and learning about and working with an individual and their individual needs I think something else that, you know, is increasingly coming into the running world is the idea of, you know, better access to things like physio, nutrition, strength and conditioning. And I guess to some extent, these things could start becoming maybe barriers with, you know, certain people being able to access them or certain clubs having more in the way of such facilities. What are your thoughts around kind of the importance of this and maybe their potential to create a bit of a a barrier into the sport? I think the support network around athletes is really important depending on what level they're on and or, and about their 
athlete history to see how long they've been in the sport for and what lo- workloads they're doing. I think when it comes to those barriers, um, those people do exist, they are around, but it's about us in our organisations making sure we can connect into those areas. So, for example, if you're on the YTP, you get access to nutritionists and the psychologist to start with, and then that may increase as you go through the pathway. But it's making sure that our talent hubs, our universities, and they do, they've got excellent um, access to all of those. But when you look at those who haven't got access across the country, it's, it's making allowing them to reach out and ask a question and then we can only but help to see what we can advise or who we can advise and making sure we're advocating the services correctly and making sure the quality assurance is there and and I I think athletes if they haven't got access to strength and conditioning coaches they can start doing the basics themselves and and I think it's about asking athletes within their clubs or asking older athletes what they do or reaching out into those people and coaches into the network who have got those successful programs to say what's the basics I could do at home and I I know there's a some research coming out um soon about basics of SNC and what they can do at home and start with it so hopefully we're we're catapulting into bringing everything into a program that an athlete can go I I know what to do for x y and z and building their their training program as a whole um with physios and everything it's it's a strange one I think people only go to physios and sports massage when they're injured I find that really ironic they go it's like only yeah I I think you always should go before to prevent injury especially sports massage really important but the amount of athletes you ask have you ever been to have a sports massage and or physio, they go, oh, no, no, only if I get an injury. And it's like, well, wonder if you went there before you had the injury, what might have been? But I think people are just consumed with the training loads and going to the track or off track or going to the gym, and they forget about those little things like the sleep, the nutrition, the recovery, the social side. And it is a balance, and I always see it on a scale. So actually those things are important if not sometimes more important than what you're doing adaptation only happens in recovery anyway so I think I would advise athletes or coaches to reach out and ask the question if they haven't got access to that and see what's around and who we can recommend and support but also that hopefully those physios strength conditioning coaches can reach out and link up with clubs as well so they've got that access there oh yeah yeah um yeah definitely and do England athletics currently have maybe a central place where people can go to kind of find further information or advice around around these areas? So there is some information on our website under the talent programs and actually the different event groups. And then going forwards, we're looking to build that information knowledge for athletes and coaches to tap into so they've got more access to what they need. Yeah, no, that's really great to hear. And, you know, be sure to check that out if that is something you're interested in looking into further. And so in terms of, you know, you mentioned the YTP there, the Youth Talent Programme. What are your current thoughts around the effectiveness and process for which athletes are selected for talent programmes? Talent programmes are going through, through a bit of a review, but I think for us it's about engaging those who are excelling in those disciplines and making sure they have the support around them getting them started on the journey Keely Hodgson started on the talent programs and went through 
I think it's for us as well, we're not only just looking at those ranked, but we're looking at those who show progress over the years and making sure we reach out and see what their journey looks like as well. Um, so I think those programs are in place to support holistically for athletes and coach support staff and giving more opportunities. But I think as a whole, we're looking to support as many as we can and just give the, provide them with the information knowledge to do what they want to do and try and progress through the age groups and the different events and and be the best they can be really yeah no definitely that's really great to hear and you know you mentioned their progress through the age groups you mentioned earlier that seeing that progression is something that you do feel strongly about what are your thoughts around maybe some things that could potentially be done to kind of help see that junior talent translates into senior success and that more athletes do remain in the sport as they go up the age groups I think we're already doing it. We're introducing yeah. knowledge about injury prevention, training overloads, um, looking at development of reds and actually how to try and avoid that if you can. And and actually about looking at um, training schedules and seasons and racing and, and planning that out, making sure that athletes have all the necessary options into nutrition, sleep, strength, recovery um, and the knowledge that comes to coach an athlete I think for me it's about patience and and making sure that athletes enjoy the age groups they're in and the opportunities available to them at that age group that they're not rushing to go through but it's keeping that enjoyment because your body will keep performing at a level if you take care of it but if your mind is not happy and you're not healthy in that area or in the environment you're in, then you're not going to want to do it. And I think our key aim is to make sure that people experience athletics as a whole and have the love, like the long lasting love for it, that they go through and want to do it at those age groups. And they still want to compete year after year, despite if they haven't achieved what they achieving so I think reflection of seasons really important I think goal setting is really important making it realistic making sure there's achievable goals in there that athletes feel good even though they're not outstanding well-breaking goals they're things they that coach knows they're going to achieve and giving the time to reward and celebrate successes of athletes and not just the ones that win gold but all the way through and I think that's key and that and that comes back down to communication and making sure that people feel valued and I think if you feel valued you're always going to turn up and I think that's our plan is to make sure that athletes feel valued and if they don't um, why don't they and let's see if we can change that because it may be that they don't value themselves and we need to work with them on their own self-value and how they can feel better with that um, but I think we are we're already starting a, and I look forward to what's to come and getting through and we're already seeing, seeing those trends as well that people coming back into the sport as well which is really good to see. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, feeling valued is always something that really does, you know, help someone feel a part of something and, and keep enjoying it. And I guess, you know, you mentioned their goal setting and celebrating, you know, every every kind of win, you know, no matter how big no, or small. In terms of athletes who maybe see a decline in performance or perhaps they plateau for a while, how do you handle those situations in terms of helping the athlete to keep feeling motivated? And those are really, really hard, uh, really hard. And they're heartbreaking for coach as well as athlete because you can see the effort levels being put in. But I think Bianca Williams, nine years to set a PB, and she just set a PB. 
think Usain Bolt was five. And I, and I think actually if you look at some of the endurance runners, it's taken years and years and they keep competing. And I think it's asking why do you compete, what are you competing for? And PBs have to be secondary. Um, unfortunately, we've got that ranking system that everyone likes to be part of. Um, but it's actually seeing what else Snappy wants to achieve. It could be a tactical achievement. It could be a performance. A, it could be something like they're trying to break down the race and 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 actually did they have a quick finish? Did they control the start? I think we need to look a bit technical on our outcomes and achieve and our values for athletes that way. I think that will kind of decrease that pressure load on PBs. But also look at what else can you get out of competing if you if you're always going for those times. 90% of the time you're probably going to be disappointed because we don't always go on an upward trend no one does and and I would encourage those athletes to look at those athletes that have run times over in worlds and go back and, and see their journey through and there has been ups and downs and they what they run at a start of season or middle of season isn't always at the end and there is fluctuation there so I think for us it's just looking at different ways of getting outcomes and what we want to see, but being a bit more creative with them and yeah. allowing athletes to own their own goals, but maybe think a bit out of the box. And instead of thinking about PBs, what else can you think about? Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. Focusing on other things aside from, aside from those, you know, heavily pedestaled PBs, I guess. And I guess to continue a little bit more along the lines of, you know, athletes who do struggle with plateauing or decrease in performance, do you think from a coaching perspective, there's anything that can be done to kind of mitigate uh, from athletes having to go through those situations? I think sometimes no. I think they can just happen and that could just be things outside of a coach's control. It could be anything in life. It could be it could be just just their body and what's happening at the moment especially through growth spurts or anything like that but I think it's just checking in with the athlete making sure they're still enjoying it um maybe get going back to what we said earlier about tearing up the paper I mean we've all got seasons planned we've got races in but being comfortable with coming away from the plan and having a I have a plan a plan b plan c and a bit of a slider diagram so if this doesn't happen watch and I have those conversations with athletes so they're really comfortable going into performances because they're like, it's okay because if it doesn't work out, we know what else we're doing instead. And I think athletes just want to have knowledge that it's it's not going to be the end of the road for them. They've got other options there. And that just comes down to being open and honest, but also a bit creative and seeing what else is available. So for this year, a lot of our athletes who are running eights and we're we went, let's go do some fours, let's go do some twos, let's go mix it up. And and ironically, they've never run a two in a race, so they're going to get a PB and they're going to feel good about it. And you laugh it off because you say, well, of course it's a PB because it's the first time I've done it, but it makes them feel good. So, or going into the relays or do something a bit different that they've never done before. Um, just keeps them in the sport, but maybe outside of what consumes their everyday thought. No, I really, I really love the sound of that approach. And I think, you know, that's definitely something that anyone in that position could could look to incorporate for sure. And I guess along the lines of, you know, getting a bit more creative in an ideal world, would you make any changes? And if so, what would they be to kind of the way the sport is run, the way races are executed and the nature of them? Oh, good question. Um, probably. I think give me a few few weeks and I can digest it all and evaluate. <laughs> but I think 
our sport moves very quickly and the changes come quite quickly. I think um I think I would like more opportunity for athletes. I think it's not always it can't always be done because there it has to be numbers restricted for races but I think offering maybe development races out not just high-end races out all the time so people get a chance to step up in their performance and in the environment I think also having less athletes in races I've seen a lot of races this year which has a lot of athletes on the track and one it it just concerns me slightly that should there be that many racing against each other and and actually bodies on the track and trying to get past and are they been slowed down by too many athletes there? And I, I think actually for me, it'd be a bit more creative with it. I'd love to see um, middle distance medley come in and actually mm. add that into the relays and have a bit more fun with that. And maybe just a bit of a different, um, I know the miles have been popular this year, but just looking at how else you can incorporate. I like the night of the 10,000s was brilliant, but is there scope to do something on the, on the smaller distances as well? Um, but I think our sport's in a real good place. We're being creative, innovative as well. And I think there'll be a lot more changes. Um, we're planning. The interesting thing is there's probably lots coming through that's already been thought about two years ago. So it's kind of like you have to wait till it all comes through. But yeah, I'm really open to hear anyone's ideas, especially the athletes. I spent all weekend with some under 20 athletes and I said, what do you want in endurance in England? Let me know. And and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, let's see what ideas you've got. And and I I can't guarantee any of them going through, but it'd be really interesting to see what people want to happen. So I encourage anyone to reach out and, and give me some ideas and I can see what we can pass through. But I think we're in a good place and there's a lot of creative, innovative people around there, which hopefully will aid the sport going forward. Yeah, no, definitely, you know, some really interesting points there. And, you know, like Hayley said, if you have got some thoughts, be sure to get in touch with her. Um, and I guess, you know, a final thought here, you mentioned that you're out this weekend and that was for some kind of longer road races. Am I am I right in thinking? So we had the Antrim Coast half. So we sent an England team over there to do the mile and the half marathon. And then we had our under 18s and under 20s go down to Cardiff to compete on the track over um, and track and field over some distances there too. Yeah. And it seems that there's, you know, an increasing number of athletes who are taking, say, the 10Ks, the half marathons and even the marathons to a more serious level at a younger age. Do you think that that there's more scope for those distances to become more important or have a kind of bigger influence amongst this slightly younger athlete community? I think um we don't need to push our younger athletes into racing over those distances. I think the distances are set by the guidelines for a reason. I think people become encouraged for doing it because of their training load, which is appropriate to them. So I know before I've heard podcasts where um, runners are saying, well, we were running those distances at a young grade show. It was normal for us. So I think for me, the key would be be patient with the distances. Don't feel like you need to jump too soon, up and up and up, because otherwise the top is ultra marathons and, <laughs> and that's a long way. So I think it's enjoying it. And I think most people step up a distance because they're not achieving what they want in their current distance and I think that's where those conversations need to have or maybe why or when's the right time to move up or if we're not achieving it can we change anything in our environments or our trainings and if not and sometimes it's just a natural um 
increase in distance. But I think I wouldn't really, my own personal opinion with all hats off is I wouldn't really want to be encouraging athletes to keep pushing and pushing those longer distances. Just, yeah, otherwise our senior athletes and above won't, won't have any time to compete themselves and they'll be pushed out by all the younger ones. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, we're coming to the end of our time. You know, it's been so great speaking with you, hearing your perspective on things. And, you know, before we kind of finish up, in terms of anyone who does want to contact you, where can they contact you? So I'm really active on my socials. So Instagram and um, Twitter, runner HLH, but also my email as well. So it's hemmins at englandathletics.org. I'm sure you can tag it in onto the bottom of the podcast yeah definitely yeah check down below uh for the Instagram and email okay well no thank you so much Hayley thank you it's been a pleasure to talk and uh yeah I look forward to seeing what um the road ahead lies yeah absolutely so that's it for today thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did be sure to rate subscribe and leave a review this really helps to get the content out there and I want to make this podcast the best possible for you. So go follow Fitter, Faster, Happier on Instagram. That's Fitter, Faster, Happier to leave your questions, comments and feedback and for updates and guest requests. All the best for the week ahead, guys. Run happy, live happy, be happy. <laughs>